Commence primary ignition. This is where the fun begins. up all of you of knots and jawas out there and welcome back to yet again another episode of mando talk this is one of our hour-long podcast episodes where we are going to dive into some form of star wars topics news discussion who knows but joining me of course i'm caleb keller but joining me is dj foster at rebel scum texan dj what's up it's been a while so how's it going it's going well i mean it's been the busiest summer career-wise i think i've had in a very long time maybe ever yeah Yeah. and almost as star wars fans too honestly (laughs) (laughs) no and it's it's been so much that like i've had i've had to just say okay let's just i had to put away star wars for a month like yeah really like i i haven't watched hardly anything since obi-wan ended other mm-hmm. than light and magic which review of light uh, light and magic all six episodes coming this week to the channel Ooh, so check that to the out youtube channel there you go so yes, subscribe sir. subscribe yes. to that channel <laughs> but um you know it, it's just been go 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 and mm-hmm. i'm i'm going on vacation later this week so like I, i'm about to hit that downward trek for the yeah. for the summer so it's it's looking like it's going to be good but Having said that, you know, let's let's talk all these things Star Wars because we I know we've got a lot to go mm-hmm. over. A lot's happened. I personally need the ketchup. I, I need I need to not like the condiment, like no, I need, need the ketchup. I need, well, I mean, ketchup, I'll probably deliver mustard more so. Maybe I'm, I'm the mustard guy. <laughs> I hate mustard. Get Gen- out of here. Gen- genuinely Podcast hate over. mustard. <laughs> Friendship done. <laughs> No, oh, so man. yeah, let's get into it then. I mean, it sounds like you know, just all all around, it's been busy, but yeah. uh, but we're we're kind of transitioning here at Mando Talk. So here's kind of an update regarding our podcast schedule, things like that moving forward. So we are gonna start doing once a month podcast episodes. Now, I know those of you that are diehard podcast listeners are thinking, man, that's a bummer. But it's not a bummer, I promise. Actually, I think it's going to free up the content quite a bit to where we can have a lot more fun. So here's kind of what it's going to look like for Mando Talk moving forward. Once a month podcast episodes dropping on the first Monday of each month. Now, I say that loosely. Uh, we're going to try the our absolute best to always make it to the first Monday of each month. But, you know, life happens. But regardless, once a month podcast episodes for sure. We'll find some time to do that, but you can also see more Mando Talk content exclusively on YouTube. Like, for example, uh, DJ, this past week, uh, past week and a half, as far as our YouTube viewing numbers has been insane. Yeah. Uh, me and DJ did reactions for trailer reactions for Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, DC stuff, Marvel stuff. Uh, we're starting to do some YouTube shorts regarding like news and updates and things like that. And when I tell you guys that our views have like tripled and our subs have gone up yeah. substantially in the past week and a half, I, I can't really like 
usually people say that just to say it, but it's the truth. Like Mando talk all of a sudden on YouTube, it's going great, having a lot of fun there. So yeah, if you want as much Caleb and DJ as possible, YouTube is where you want to go. Because, like I said, we're going to keep doing videos as much as possible, as frequently as, can, as frequently as we can. It's just difficult for us to find the time to sit down for an hour each week for a podcast. But that's why we're committing to the once a month podcast platform. So just wanted to get those updates out there. Uh, DJ, anything you want to add to that or anything that you feel like maybe I left off? I don't think you left anything off, but just okay. to quickly add something, um, you know, I did the Rings of Power trailer reaction. And mm -hmm. um, since then, my whole mind has been pretty much um, enveloped in just Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. So like where I've had no time to do Star Wars, I, that's that's an absolute fact. But in the last like two or three days, mm -hmm. I have been doing hardcore deep dives into existing Tolkien material. Yeah. So I'm preparing myself and my nerd brain for rings of power. Like right. Caleb, I'm reading the Silmarillion. You oh. don't just you don't just read the Silmarillion. You know, mm -hmm. like if you're a diehard loader fan, you know that. But I'm preparing for some epic, you know, stuff come September with rings of power. Yeah, and that's that's another maybe another video, maybe another podcast from the time. But it, that is dividing the Lord of the Rings fandom right now. Yeah. Um, but oh, I'm sure. very much for looking sure. forward to all of it. Yeah. And I mean, on the opposite side of that, though, I'm looking forward to that House of the Dragon. You know yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so so me and DJ might have like a little competition on our YouTube channel to see, you know, what videos get the most interaction, clicks, uh, likes, comments, things like that. Man, so, you're yeah, winning. Like <laughs> You've all, you're already winning at, <laughs> hey, currently. You know, it, it, we'll see. House of the Dragon is just a better fandom. What can I say? <laughs> it I'm probably is, playing. honestly. I'm just playing. It's not no, dividing I households at this point. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> I, I really can't wait. I can't wait for both shows to be, yeah, to no, be honest. Be and obviously coming up next in the Star Wars realm is Cassie and Andor. So speaking and, and perfect little segue to that, speaking to that, uh, I wanted to first topic on this episode, since it's been a month since we've gotten to sit down with each other and talk Star Wars, I wanted to just answer this question of what has gotten us excited over the past month in the Star Wars galaxy related to news. Because like usually we do, each week we've got your coverage on news uh, on our podcast platform. Just moving forward, it's going to be on YouTube. Uh, so a lot of things have come out. I mean, I think we've gotten some Andor marketing starting slowly, slowly starting to ramp up. We've got images, interviews, things like that. I might share some more opinions on that if we have some time to. Uh, we've gotten like Acolyte announcement regarding the lead role, or, or excuse me, the potential lead role of Amandla. I can't remember Amandla's last name, but but regardless. I have it right here. It's okay. Amandla Stenberg. There you go. Amandla is expected to be the lead for the acolyte, but that's been officially announced. Uh, and we've got like, uh, oh, Jedi Survivor. That that made a made like a little news wave it recently did. because apparently yeah. it's coming out early of 2023. Yeah. So and that's just to name a few. So, DJ, what has gotten you the most excited regarding the Star Wars galaxy in the news realm lately? Well, those two for sure. Um, because and in fact, that's what I was going to mention. If you didn't cover them, uh, I'm excited to know more about the acolyte. That's one of those. I'm kind of, it's a sleeper show. I feel like once it comes out, we're all going to be like, Oh, let's watch this, you know, let's yeah. pay attention to that. But so I'm kind of looking forward to that. And then, you know, I'm fallen orders sequel survivor. I mean, 
you know, I'm just, I'm ready to see Cal again and play the game. And I, I mean, it's one of those, it's like, you know, a new star Wars game comes out, let's jump on it. But right. truly my favorite, you know, and this may not necessarily be star Wars related, but now I know I can talk about it because you posted about it on Twitter. Oh, um, you're coming child. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. and you, those of you, you who may don't, who may have not seen this on, on Twitter, but you know, Caleb and his wife about to have a baby. So we are expecting that. Yeah, that is, that so is true. That is true. I've been, I've been keeping that a secret for a while and now <laughs> I'm just kind of like, it's about time we could talk about it. But anyway, um, trust me, we've already got honestly. Okay. Actually, hold up. Story time. Pause. We have been to so many different like baby stores, different clothing items, things like that. I keep seeing it's like it's something fancy, but it all—it honestly almost looks like a Jedi robe, but it's so expensive. But I'm honestly about to commit to it because Dawson, Is this for your kid or for you. Oh, it's for the kid. Oh, okay. but I'll probably I'll probably get an adult size, right? I got to. I would you have, have to. Also, <laughs> I got to get that for him. I got to get that for for Dawson for sure. But anyway. <laughs> other than that, you know, I would, I'm not calling it Star Wars related, but it's Mando talk related, you know, but uh-huh. <laughs> I think truly my, my, my actual like favorite thing that's come out of the news in the last few weeks has been uh, the fact that Carl Weathers confirms that Rick Famuyiwa or Fa- yeah, Famuyiwa. That's, it that's was, a great call. Great yeah, he, call. He's directing at least two episodes according to, um, Star Wars Newsnet uh, of mm-hmm. Mandalorian season three, which he brings something different to the table. And I don't, I don't think he directed any in season two. I don't uh, think I so. I don't think so. Right. So him coming back for the third season is just incredible. And, yeah. and, and if Mandalorian ever makes a jump to um, like, let's say they do three seasons, we'll say four seasons and a movie. Let's say mm-hmm. that the Mandalorian gets. I think that's inevitable at this point. Hmm, interesting. I, w- I would put that maybe another topic for another yeah. time. But <laughs> but I think Rick Famuyiwa is is top three directors I'd want to see uh, do that series. Or, I mean Ooh. that movie. Um, he's only behind Favreau and Taika though. Yeah. Okay. You, you know. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I agree with you. Although I don't know if I would necessarily because now I have seen. Thor Love and Thunder. That's Taika's yeah. latest movie. Yeah. I don't know if I want to see Taika do a Mandalorian movie. I still am very pumped right. for a Star Wars movie from him, but I, I guess maybe just the humor and things like that that work in Thor Love and Thunder, I wouldn't expect that going into a Mando film, so I don't know if he would make my director list for that's fair let's do a mandalorian movie i think that's fair i i mean obi-wan was so done so well that i would put deborah chow on a short list um but you know the best i think honestly the best two aside from taika would be Mm. famiua and favreau yeah and you know favreau is going to be a producer no matter who directs it so no doubt so it's just going to be one of those things but anyway he's coming you know back to man uh, mandalorian and that's exciting to me Mm mm-hmm I, I think I enjoy his direction the most other than da- Bryce Dallas Howard out of um, Mandalorian. And yeah. that's, that's even including Favreau, honestly. Um, so, you know, I, if he comes, if, if that's true, I know I'm, that's, I'm, I'm being very generous. I feel like right now with Rick Femiua, yeah. but well, you just mentioned, I don't know why I forgot Bryce Dallas Howard. She's my number one. If we do a Mando movie, she's got it. She's the director. I, I think that she deserves her own <laughs> like own property. Yeah, like, okay. like I don't know, like, like Taika's I, getting. 
Yeah, like she yeah. she honestly probably I would put her ahead of Taika to do a mm. Star Wars film, period. Um, you know, I don't think I want her to helm Mandalorian. I don't really have a specific reason for it. I just feel like she deserves her sure. own story to tell. That's a good take. Because she's just and not not that she has to write the story or anything. I just mm-hmm. think that she should direct. And that yeah. that would be, and I think most fans would agree with that, but you know, just throwing that out there. Hey, I like that. I like that. All right. Well, there's one more thing that I just wanted to mention as far as how I've been getting yes, hyped please. and pumped for Star Wars. I am finally, finally almost done with the Thrawn trilogy. Oh, I started that thing. You know, the Heir to the Empire Now yeah. Legends uh, trilogy. I started that thing like, I think it was a year ago because it was last it's about year. the time I came on. Yeah, it was last summer where I started Heir to the Empire because I finished it on the beach. What a perfect way to finish Heir to the Empire. Just relaxing, sunbathing, whatever. Now I am 200 pages into The Last Command, which is the third novel of that trilogy. And I keep keep mentioning it and now they're now they've announced that they're releasing like a package deal of these three like in their own little collector's case. Guys, I think if you're a Star Wars fan and if you have not read the Heir to the Empire trilogy, obviously there's things in there that can't happen at this point, but I can see it clear as day. They are pulling from that trilogy for sure in this Mandoverse stuff. So if you have not done so, this is not sponsored, advertised, or whatever. If you haven't done so, (laughs) go check out the Heir to the Empire uh, trilogy. It's great. I should do a video on it. I absolutely love it. You should. It might honestly be, after the original trilogy of Star Wars, it might be my favorite trilogy of any Star Wars content. Well, then let me ask you a very very quick question. So uh-huh. you, do you think that that story, you said it's your favorite behind the original trilogy sure. currently. Do you think that you now understand why so many of those novels fans just absolutely adore it now? Oh, absolutely. And okay. I, I get also too back when it was what, 2014, when the acquisition was made or something 2012. like 2012. 12, was it? Yeah. Okay. Fall of I, I see why the I see why there may have may have been some frustration on oh that's that's now legends that we're we're no longer considering yeah. that stuff as real story which I get they had to do I understand that I, they had to do that but if I had read those novels back then uh yeah I probably yeah. would have been majorly bummed because it's a commitment to read those things so yeah anyway anyway yeah check that check that trilogy out if you have well you so need already. to drop a video kind of review on the trilogy because I I'm anxious to see that. Because okay. I've not read them. Yeah. So yeah. I would like, to, I personally would like to see that. All right. All right. We might have to do that then. All yeah. right. Let's now get to our second topic on this episode. And that is the thumbnail of the video, the title of the podcast episode, The Mandalorian Season 3 Leaked Trailer Discussion. Leaked Trailer Discussion. So, with that said, obviously, we're going to discuss it in detail. If you've been trying to avoid the leaked trailer, I don't. I honestly don't think us talking about it is going to ruin it for you whenever you do see it in high def. Because a lot of these things that we've mentioned, like Bespin Bulletin, Star Wars Newsnet, IGN, like all the people that were in the room at Star Wars Celebration when they showed this trailer, they kind of released, you know, documents and, and web page, website, or Whatever I'm trying to say. Descriptions. Descriptions. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. They've released descriptions of this trailer out there. So I'm sure a lot of you that are listening have probably already read these things. But (laughs) we actually have the opportunity now that we've seen the leaked footage, not in high def, 
we get to yeah. discuss it. <laughs> we get to discuss it though, which yeah. is always fun. So we're gonna kind of just go through this trailer here, uh, step by step. I've got the descriptors, at least that I created. Uh, as we go through here, we're just gonna share some thoughts, opinions, uh, potential speculative thoughts as we go. You ready, DJ? I think so. Okay. We'll let's see. Do it. Let's <laughs> do it. So, of course, the trailer starts with the iconic Mandalorian theme. Obviously, at that point, that thing is so recognizable. Like, after, you know, John Williams, obviously, his work, this thing is right there yeah. as far as just top tier yeah. musical cues that as soon as you hear it, you're like, okay, Dinjar and Grogu, let's go. Yep. Let's go. Every All time. right. So, continuing on in the trailer, the armorer informs Dinjarin, who has Grogu with him. So, this is after the Book of Boba Fett, because honestly, I thought this dialogue may have been stolen from the Book of Boba Fett. But the armorer informs Dinjarin that he is no longer Mandalorian and redemption is no longer possible with the destruction of their world. So, this is obviously something that us as book of boba fett viewers we already know this so i feel like maybe this scene in season three of the mandalorian might feel and seem potentially pointless for us but this i guess this create this is kind of a, an allusion to that issue that so many people had with the book of boba fett becoming mando 2.5 is maybe there's fans that didn't watch the book of boba fett so they have to be informed this information what did you what do you think of this bit of dialogue from the armor well it just made me excited to see what they're going to do with it honestly mm -hmm. i mean i didn't really take into consideration what other people would would think as far as the um, not watching book of boba or, yeah. or watching it that, that was never something that crossed my mind okay because Sweet. I just personally was like, okay, well, you know, she, she's not, you know, she's telling him, okay, you definitely can't, you know, you can't, you can't find redemption anymore. Yeah. And, Ooh. and I'm that's just tough. like, but, and I, I just don't buy that. Like, I feel like there, yeah, we're, that's going to be a major plot point in the whole season where we're going to lead to that redemption. Mm -hmm. So my quick speculation is that won't be a season long journey. It'll mm. be like, uh, um, that'll be a mid-season thing and then Ooh. and then at the end of it we'll get our major you know conflict okay okay i like that i like those thoughts all right moving along here in the trailer bo bo katan is back sitting on a throne of some sort says to din your cult gave up on mandalore where were you then so first of all Bo looks fantastic in this shot. Again, even though we saw like a 480p uh, trailer, <laughs> she still looks great. She looks intimidating. She looks um, kind of mentally insane a bit, too. Yes. That was at least my interpretation, because admittedly, she is probably really struggling with the fact that Din Djarin has claimed to Mandalore because he has that Darksaber at this point. And we can see maybe the setup here, just in this bit of dialogue of Bo actually going after Din and clashing with him yeah. in this season. So what do you think of this dialogue? What do you think of just this scene? I think it this, looks fantastic. This scene reminds me a lot of Lord of the Rings Return of the King when Gandalf and Pippin walk into the throne room in Minas Tirith. Ooh, and, okay. and you see Denethor sitting yeah. at the steward's chair and there's no king on the throne and 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 i kind of you know denethor he's delusional a little bit and i think in this case bo katan is delusional because she 
no longer has the opportunity to, to lay claim to Mandalore. Um, so it's inevitable that Din Djarin makes his way to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that since he's been doing this training with the Darksaber, he's kind of maybe not necessarily gravitating towards the throne, but gravitating maybe towards what the power of that saber means. Mm-hmm. And Bo-Katan, you know, I'm convinced she's the villain of this mm-hmm. of this season. You know, I just villain or at least some kind of an anti-hero of sorts. I, I mean, I don't I don't really fully yeah. know, but um that, that's I could my see it being like one of those arcs where, yes, at the beginning of the season, she's viewed as a villain, but maybe as the season progresses, she starts to see maybe Din Djarin is the man that needs to lead us into the next generation of Mandalore, or maybe they just come to some form of like an alliance with the fact of, okay, Bo, no, just take this. Like, we don't have to worry about, or I don't know. I don't know kind of where my headspace is at with that, but I, I'd see where you're at regarding. I yeah. think she is going to spend some time in this season being a villain, but I, I find it hard to believe that they're going to continue that arc into another season. No, I don't think it continue past this season. Okay. I think that she, in a sense, will be resolved. Yeah. Because uh, even right now, I'm sitting here thinking, is there anybody else that they could have in the background that they would bring to the front that'd be like, the shocking, you know, oh man, that person's here. You know, yeah. I, there's not many people on that list. Mm. Um, I, that's a very, very short list of people who, who could do that and, and that are alive, you know. So it's gonna, it's gonna be a clash, I think, no matter what. It's yeah. just, it's dependent on how they want to go about it. Absolutely. All right. Good call. Okay. Here we go. On to the next bit of footage from this leaked trailer. Mando and Grogu reconnect with Grief Karga and a, pa- and a pack of Kowakian monkey lizards is seen snickering at the two. So, of course, those monkey lizard thingies are uh, Salacious Crumb yeah. from Return of the Jedi. Multiples. <laughs> uh, if you're a longtime listener of Mando Talk, uh, you remember Jacob doing a perfect impersonation Phenomenal. of that. And if, you, if you're new to Mando Talk, I think if you just go to Spotify, Apple, wherever we're at, and you type in Star Wars impersonations, Mando Talk, it'll pop up. It's definitely worth the listen. Uh, Grief is looking mighty fresh with that bright red robe and seems to be doing very, 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 very well for himself i couldn't tell if this was on navarro but i couldn't either yeah regardless he's pushing credits or something he's got it going on <laughs> what do you think of uh grief's appearance in this season i love carl weathers Same. i mean a lifelong rocky fan here so yeah. you know paulo creed's the first villain i ever hated and so every time i see you know, uh, grief carga every time i see carl weathers i'm just like hey you know i just get excited you know it doesn't matter what he's doing like hey uh, side note, you should watch a movie called The Sasquatch Dumpling Gang, and it stars Carl Weathers, amongst other crazy people. But uh, it's a stupid, hilarious Shameless movie. Plug. <laughs> for, for Yeah. <laughs> it's in the same vein as Nacho Libre, Napoleon Dynamite. Okay. But it's so it's so silly. But he's in it, and it's hilarious. But anyway, I get excited when I see him. So for me, it's like, great, he's back. And then I think, is this the season he dies? Because... Because, like, I, I think that he he's a character that he's so good. Man. But, like, I just – I thought he would die last season. You just bummed me out. Bummed no, me I, out. Well, sorry. You know, it <laughs> happens that way sometimes. But I don't want him to die, you know. Fair. Okay. I don't want – but if he does – Making me it, feel a little better. <laughs> is this the season, you know? Okay. I can see the, the writing side of it and be like, 
what if Greek Karga dies? Hmm. You know, you write that in there. It's like, you know, what are the implications of that for Din Djarin and Grogu? Yeah. And you can go crazy from there if you want. But all that to say, he's back. I'm excited. He looks great. Yeah, I mean, it, it just looks great. There you go. There you go. Yeah, he, he really does just honestly look phenomenal. Carl Weathers is, an, is another person, too, that we, you know, earlier we were mentioning a short list of directors. His directorial episode in season two of The Mandalorian was great. I hope he's directing another episode or two in this season. All right. Rapid fire of frames are then shown. We've got a shot of Captain Carson Teva, who is Paul Sung, Paul Sun Hyung Lee. Of course, we've seen him in season two. Yeah. I don't think he was in season one, but he was in the um, Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, he was in Book of Boba. I loved him in Book of Boba. He had a great, yeah, he's a great, great. scene in Book of Boba. He's great. Well, with Captain Carson Teva was a Rodian. And then the next frame, the shot that they show, is another Rodian. I don't know if it's another Rodian or the same Rodian speaking to Pelimoto on Tatooine. So I'll pause there regarding our rapid fire of frames shown because I have a thought on that. I think it would make sense for Carson Teva and this Rodian to try, or they're trying to track down Din Djarin at this point, potentially. Maybe that leads them to Pelimoto because that's the last time that we saw him. And then they're off to potentially wherever Din Djarin goes next uh, with that. What do you think of that? Is that a possibility? Is, is Carson Teva worried about what Din Djarin is up to? I mean, he doesn't seem to be, when we see him in Book of Boba, that doesn't mean he wouldn't yeah. be here. Um I, you were talking and I don't know what it is, but as soon as you mentioned Pelimoto, my mind went back to the idea of Rangers of the New Republic. Mm. And maybe there's been a sense of reabsorbing that yeah. story into That's Mandalorian. And yeah. I'm thinking there's a chance Pelimoto could, could work out as a, a potential New Republic. Ooh, I'll say, I'll like say like. I'll say like not a recruit, just like a boots on the ground, like um, informant or, or or something. You know, because she clearly, you know, she's too good at being in Tatooine to remove like her that. from Tatooine. So you yeah. know, so I just well, I'm that's just our putting, excuse to always go back to Tatooine when needed. Yeah, of course. You know, I mean, and, and you, fed at this point. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, <laughs> so there's a, there's a thing there, maybe, but you know, yeah. the whole Doctor Pershing thing might throw that off a, a hair. So I, I don't know, man. Ooh, uh, what was his name? What was his name? Pelimoto flirting with this guy at the end of the Book of Boba Fett. Oh, the, oh gosh, the, the, um, Magistrate. No, it's not oh, Magistrate. Oh, man, I can't uh, remember. Wow. Such man. a great guy, though. It's so great. It's the guy with the head tails. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to look him up. I'm going to look him up because I can't remember. Yeah. Well, anyway, I was, I was just trying to say, you know, if Pelimoto's around, maybe he'll make an appearance too. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, All right. man, I'm trying to find him. Keep going. I'm going to okay. find him, and I'll let we'll you know go to the, We'll go to the next fire of a, a rapid fire of frames. Dr. Pershing, this is a really interesting one. Dr. Pershing is seen sitting in a room with a droid, and a New Republic logo is on the wall behind him. So I don't know what's going on here, because obviously the last time that we saw Dr. Pershing, uh, he's kind of messing with cloning or extracting midi-chlorians or something with Grogu. So I don't know why he would be in a New Republic facility. Also, next rapid fire of shots, we see a pack of Mandalorians preparing for battle and Grief Karga getting prepared for a very, very Western-like 
shootout. Okay, that kind of wraps up the rapid fire of frames. Number one, at least, because we got some more rapid fire of frames coming up later. But DJ, what are your thoughts on any of those that I mentioned, especially that Dr. Pershing thing? Because I'm very intrigued by why he's in a New Republic facility. Well, he's definitely been kidnapped Mm. or he's defected. Now, Mm. I don't think he would have defected. Yeah. Because he just he seems just a little too willing to work for um, uh, Moff Gideon and the client played by Warner Herzog. I think he's just way too willing to do that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he is a little hesitant every time he runs into Mando. But yeah, I I don't I don't see, you know, him defecting Uh, for now. I'm going to say he he's kidnapped and forced essentially to work with. um, with who he's, who he's got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think. Okay. All right. Moving on then. Din Djarin tells Bo, we are going to Mandalore so that I may be forgiven for my transgressions. So again, from Book of Boba Fett, we kind of know that that's probably his mission. That's his goal at this point. Uh, so I, I don't really feel like we have to talk more to that quote unless you have anything else that you've got. No, I don't. Okay. All right. Rapid fire frames number two. In one, flying in space. Of course, that is now Din Djarin's uh speeder ship of, of choice the major the major domo the major domo yeah that's pelimoto's go-to guy now the major domo that would be a fun little uh um, that would be really fun that'd be fun the good comedy that'd be it's <laughs> yeah. good comic relief now yeah. if that's what they do yeah <laughs> well somebody's listening to this going it's the major domo you idiot <laughs> yeah they, they were saying that for the past three minutes past three minutes <laughs> All right, so yeah, in one flying in space, a squad of Mandalorians kind of sweeping the sh- the streets, which looked very intriguing because Let's one go. of them one of them kind of had like a cape of some sort. Looked great. Uh, All capes. sick. A capes sick, look great. A sick shot of bow at night. It looked so good. Doctor Pershing again appearing to be walking through New Republic halls. Din Djarin with the squad of Mandalorians. Bo looking out of her throne room windows in concern, it looked like. Grogu sitting in Din Djarin's lap in the N1 as they are in the middle of a battle in space. All, a concerned grief carga with Mando. Bo flying her speeder ship of choice. I don't know what, what we got going on there. Hopefully it's the it's the one that she flies in. Gotta be. Clone Wars Rebels. That'd gotta, be really gotta cool. be. But it's also, it's also in season two, right? There's a shot where they've got yeah. Boba Fett's but not yes, because yeah. it just blew up, and then hers. It's it's um, the fire sprayer, and and that, and then I think also there's the imperial shuttle in one shot. Maybe yeah. I don't remember hers flying. Yeah, I don't think they showed that. Yeah, I yeah, think it was just parked. Yeah. Either way, it was great to see it in live action. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, to end the rapid fire of flames, number two sequence we've got here, Bo using her two pistols and also Bo saying to Grogu, did you think your dad was the only Mandalorian? But we'll pa- actually, we'll come back to that quote in a second. We'll come back to that quote because I think the reason why that quote was there was done specifically with what was next in the trailer. So, yeah. What did you think on? Because I just, again, rapid fire. I went through a lot of stuff there. Uh, Anything, anything in there that stands out? All of it. And there's not one thing. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's not one thing that's like not cool about what we Mm -hmm. what you just broke down. I guess my favorite thing would be the idea of Din Djarin in a space battle with an N1. Yeah. You know, just seeing that thing fly around as fast as it can go. I mean, 
you know, it, it just it just makes me want to take my old N1 toy and just mod it out. I mean, it, it, and I would never do that because I love that thing <laughs> to pieces, but um, literally to pieces because my brothers are torn apart. But mm-hmm. um, maybe I should mod it out now. Actually, it might be worth it. But anyway, um, you know, that that's probably the most intriguing thing. But yeah. truth be told, I, we just need to get to this quote. Yeah, it's a good quote. Because, I mean, unless you want to say something about these these things you just broke down. No. But, no, absolutely not. I think they were all just meaningful things to point out to our to our listeners here. Yeah. So, yeah, Bo de Grogu, did you think your dad was the only Mandalorian? And, of course, after that, we kind of get just a rapid fire again of frames of mm-hmm. all these Mandalorian. We've got Paz Vizsla back with other Mandalorians in battle. We've got the armor presenting a small Mandalorian helmet similar in color scheme to the Mandalorians that saved young Din Djarin. Just squad of mandalorians jumping from a ship that obviously obviously they're putting the mandalorian in the mandalorian yeah big time big time yeah dj speak i'll pause there speak to the quote and any other thoughts on the multiple mandalorians that we see in this trailer well when when i heard this quote if i remember correctly it was said with an ominous tone yes and and that was immediately reminiscent to me of the last jedi trailer where Luke says it's time for the Jedi to end. Mm. I mean, to me, there's just a mountain of questions that could come yeah. from this one sentence and why they would choose right after that to layer on all these Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something happening mm-hmm. that we're not seeing. And and I think that Bo-Katan has her, I'll use the phrase tentacles, you know, yeah. kind of weaving in and out of different maybe you know hidey holes and things like that and i don't i don't know just all across you know i may be just that may be the biggest speculation ever but what you're you're saying has me really thinking that i could see kind of like this mandalorian civil war brewing here we got all the mandalorians that are following Bo, but you've got all the mandalorians that are following the armor and din john is just caught in the middle of he's gonna have to make a decision on which side to choose and which side to fight for which is just it's just classic storytelling yeah it's great it's a great opportunity to to tell a very beautiful recognizable admittedly story though but But the small blue but the small blue helmet is what gets me that as for Grogu, you think so? Well, it, when I looked at it, it looked like there was, you know, a cutout for the ears. Mm. I mean, I've got him right here. You know, you yeah. put a helmet on. I this didn't thing. see that. I, I might need the high def version for that one. Yeah, and I, I think that's what I I could be I could be way off, but yeah. you know, it's what I'm seeing. So I'm thinking this well, may be the case. The, you know, the T the T visor eyelid. It was or shorter, it, and it was wider too. Yeah, it was eyes, like obviously here, for his eyes. I That's think why there's two I, options. I think there's two yeah. options with that. Option number one is, yes, it's for Grogu. Or option number two, we get more flashbacks behind Din Djarin's beliefs. And maybe that was the helmet that the armorer first made for him. Who That'd knows? be cool. Well, I okay. I love that one, too. One more thought. A lot of people say Grogu is a Mandalorian. Correct. Because at so, this point, the armorer has called him a foundling, though. Yes. So he's just as much a Mandalorian as Din Djarin ever was. Exactly. So who's to say that underneath some of these Mandalorian helmets aren't just random aliens? Good point. You know, because if the if the armorer is willing to accept Grogu as a foundling, mm-hmm. who's to say? You yeah. know, like you could very easily build the armor up and build the helmet up to be big enough to fit a Rodian head. 
Will you do it? I doubt. I mean, I really doubt it because then you've got a guy in a mask wearing a helmet, right? You know, so it just gets a little absurd. But is it possible if Grogu's a Mandalorian? It is, mm-hmm. you know, if you consider him a Mandalorian, I, I don't know whether or not to currently. Yeah. So th- I think that's, that's just still another one of those little... things that, that's up in the air for this yes, season exactly. to maybe tackle. Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. All right. Let's see. We've got a cute moment of Din Djarin spinning in the N1 as Grogu sitting in his lap has to be pressed back down by Din as they spin. That was it's really cool. It's a good trick. It's a, yeah. That's exactly what I was about to say. Great stuff. <laughs> uh, we already covered the squad of Mandalorians jumping. Uh, the armorer attacks with her hammer. Oh, hello. That was cool. And then Babu Frick. Babu Frick and his species, or it might not be that's Babu uh, Frick. It better be. It better oh, be. Oh, come on. It's about everybody. That was like you come out of the rise of Skywalker, even if you hated it, you loved Babu Frick. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. If you didn't like Babu Frick, what's wrong with you? You know, <laughs> he's awesome. <laughs> Just it's perfect. That's so I'm gonna, in our intro music. I'm going to replace Hayden saying this is where the fun begins with Babu Frick going. Hey, honestly, DJ. <laughs> I'm. I kind of want to hear that now to see if that should t- should take over. I know what I'm intro. doing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay. All right. This. Okay. 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 I got to collect myself on this one because again, I'm in the middle of reading the Thrawn trilogy, heir to the oh, Empire I trilogy. Got about this. Okay. And we see this shot in the frame. Or shot in the frame. This shot in the trailer, where there's a massive shot of an Imperial Star Destroyer and maybe others. It's kind of hard to see again in this 480p leaked trailer footage that we've got. <laughs> but it looks like this Star Destroyer is getting prepped in some way for battle. So again, okay. Here's my because I'm in the middle of reading the Thrawn trilogy novels, yep. my speculation that I went down a massive rabbit hole with this one, admittedly. I think this is the Mandoverse, Star Wars, Disney's version of potentially introducing a Disney version of the Katana fleet from the Thrawn trilogy, which was kind of like this just massive fleet of Star Destroyers that got lost in space during the Age of the Republic. Uh, and then basically Thrawn and his Imperial reign stumbled upon them, found them, and took them into his naval command, basically. Yeah. So obviously, obviously, like I mentioned earlier, when I plugged the Heir to the Empire trilogy, there's things in there that make it not possible for Star Wars to be able to do a canon version of the Katana fleet. But this shot just has me thinking somehow, somehow Thrawn has got to be involved with this. And I think they're going to start to unravel that maybe just with a small hint of dialogue during this scene or an end credit scene to lead to Ahsoka. Who knows? But that's that's where my thoughts went when I see this massive shot of an Imperial Star Destroyer. Because at this point, maybe, just like in the Thrawn trilogy novels, maybe Thrawn is the guy that's bringing the Empire soon-to-be First Order back. What do you think, DJ? What do you I think? agree with that 100%. Let's I see go. no issues with that at all. Uh, in fact, when I saw that Star Destroyer, I can't remember it because I'm looking off camera right now because I was looking at the trailer on my phone. Yeah. yeah. Um, I need to probably save it before it eventually disappears. But <laughs> right. uh, but anyway, it's like it's going to be out soon anyway, but whatever. Uh, but I, Speaking of that, though, I think it's coming D23, which is September 10th. 
you heard it here first, Mando Talk. I, gotta, I think we're getting a Mandalorian trailer I in September. Watch, I gotta watch a bunch of Rings of Power before I see Mandalorian. All right. Yeah. You, Did you, you know will. that the that the two words Mandos and Lorian are taken from Tolkien? Interesting. Those two different those words mean something. Uh, I have a copy of the Silmarillion with me. It's just in the huh. other room. So maybe <laughs> later we'll get that out. Maybe anyway. Uh, but no, no, no. Um, I, back to Thrawn. I mean, that's the first thing I thought. You know, yeah. was was let's let's see Thrawn right here, right now, before right. Ahsoka set it up. Cause I think that they would want to hit the ground running. Right. Yeah. It's, like, it's similar to Avengers mm. in that if Nick Fury was there in the end credits for I think all of those except the Incredible Hulk. You know, that was RDJ's uh, sure. little cameo there. But all the rest leading up to Avengers, it it was Sam Jackson. So Let's make Thrawn kind of our Sam Jackson, if you will. Put him in now so that we can see him later. Yeah. Well, you know? and, and I think doing that too, obviously me and you and those listening to this podcast probably are checking out Ahsoka as soon as it, as soon as it drops. Oh, absolutely. But, but people that, that aren't into Clone Wars and Rebels and things like that, when they hear Ahsoka say, where's Grand Admiral Thrawn in Mandalorian yeah. Season 2, they don't know who that is. Yeah, it's, but in Mandalorian yeah. season three, if they wanted to go ahead and reveal this guy's coming in Ahsoka, then they're more likely to check out Ahsoka. So I yes, agree. I agree that that is definitely a possibility. But even more so, what I was thinking whenever I had first kind of brewed up this little thought of this somehow connecting to Thrawn, I still think just as small as whoever these two or three people that are stumbling across this Star Destroyer are, maybe just a small discussion of. Maybe it's somebody leading Din through this place or whatever, and this person just says, hey, um, I I hear something of like this big Grand Admiral kind of behind all of this. I don't know what it is, but yeah, that's kind of what this shipyard is all about. Just kind of like a side little piece of dialogue that what, us as Star Wars fans would freak What's the out. name of his fleet again? It's Katana Fleet in the... As in like the sword? Is that a sword? Katana? Yeah, it's a ninja sword. K-A-T-A-N-A. Yeah, Katana. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. your like typical samurai sword. Yeah. Okay. But well, yeah, that, that's the name of his fleet in the Thrawn trilogy. I, I now, did he, not he doesn't find it until the second book. So I he mean, starts it, off, you know, leading the Imperial remnants without it, but it does end up becoming his little last ditch effort. Dude. Yeah. What if that Star Destroyer is the one that Ezra and Thrawn took off in at the end of Rebels? And they're just setting up the thing for Ahsoka. Ooh. How legit would that be? Because I that is Thrawn Star Destroyer. You know how what, cool it would be for that that Star Destroyer to be the final shot of the season, and then segue into Ahsoka. Like, I mean, come on! I need a second. <laughs> just, that'd be great. That'd just be like it. Just like you know, that shot, hard cut to to black, and then fade into the screen. Yeah, Ahsoka 2023. <laughs> yeah, just it's just like ah, yeah, that'd be, that'd be perfect. That would be great. It'd be great. All right, uh, let's let's keep moving. Let's I keep moving. Star I feel Wars. like we spent heavy amount of time on that Star Destroyer, but there's a lot of possibilities there. Anytime I see anything Imperial, especially in this Mando time frame, you know I'm gonna bring up Thrawn. You All have right. to rapid fire of frames number four. Grogu peeking from behind a wall, of course, just so cute they gotta have it Bo again piloting some more all day space battles shot with the n1 let's go more mandalorians all day 
Grogu back in his eggshell. I didn't know what to call that. Is there is there a name for that? Uh, I mean, eggshell. Okay, you could call it Suga. Suga. Okay, there you go. <laughs> and then Din and Grogu in the cockpit together with a droid now helping the N1s piloting. Very interesting because in the first yeah. season of The Mandalorian, Din yeah. Djarin hates droids, doesn't trust them. Well, I mean, character he had a growth. Character yeah, growth. It's character growth is what this it's what Star Wars is all about. Character yeah. growth. Look at Darth Vader. Come on. And look at Mando for that matter. I mean, I it's just good stuff. I'm, is that a, that was an R5 unit, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, I think so I was ex- I was excited to see an R5 unit because I think it gives us an opportunity to kind of latch on to a different, you yeah. know, shape of droid. Right. <laughs> Even though we've had that in literally everything else. But mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of let's bring back a classic and throw it in there. I think it's it's, perf- it's perfect, you know, and real quick on that. I know this is a little, little nugget, but and we've got our stuff to talk about. But hey, it's Grogu. Him. He likes nuggies. He does. You have to leave out dino nuggies and chalky milk on May the 3rd. So Grogu will come visit you on May the 4th. This is how Thanks. it works. But, um, and I did this year and he visited me. So <laughs> if you missed out, sorry, your fault. No, but um, it, it, when, when you go back to watch the Disney gallery from season one, John Favreau and Dave Filoni talk extensively about how this was just like playing with their action figures. Mm-hmm. And then again, you see Robert Rodriguez in Book of Boba Fett doing animatics, not Book of Boba Fett, and Mandalorian season two, you know, with action figures. So it's right, you know, there's a lot of playing around with your action figures here. And I love that Dave Filoni said it's like you got a hold of a Boba Fett action figure and you painted your silver to make it different. Um, <laughs> and and he, he does say that, but like my dad, I'm very fortunate that my dad actually has still all of his action figures from when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And so he has a little R5D4. And I love the image of putting that toy next to uh, Boba Fett, mm-hmm. the action figure, which he also has. So I've seen the original Boba Fett next to the original R5. And when you put those two next to one another and then just imagine, okay, now add a small, tiny Yoda to that, mm-hmm. you really can't get, you know, aside from like Vader, Luke you know jedi beyond that you don't really get anything more iconically star wars yeah and so you put you put those three together and i think that's a that's a win and i think it's a visual win and i think filoni and favreau and whoever else's idea that is sees that and goes yes that's a home run slam dunk you know do it you know do it and and go on from there so anyway i want to throw that in there about the droid because it's just i think it's something interesting to remember sure going forward because this is a huge universe and they're pulling from everywhere but we know they're pulling from the original trilogy and i think that's something important to remember that the whole idea of playing with the toys in the sandbox kind of concept anyway that's uh, weird weird random soapbox (laughs) but there it is hey fair enough fair Fair enough enough. (laughs) (laughs) okay the money shot the money shot at the very end of this leaked trailer i go back and watch it again it's not surprising it's not surprising that this is where we're headed but man, seeing this in live action, I, when I saw this and when I finally get a chance to see this in high def, even though I've seen the leak, I'm probably going to freak out. Probably yeah. going to freak out. A ship approaches a destroyed Sundari, the capital of Mandalore. And of course, that meaning then that we do officially make it to the planet of Mandalore. Wow. Just wow. Even in this 480p definition that we've got it looks so cool so cool and obviously this connects to the book of boba fett 
with the trail of a thousand tears yeah the great purge all of these different things um with the destruction of that and they show that in the book of boba fett and now we yes. actually get to see the remains and wow does it look great i don't have any other analysis other than it looks great <laughs> dj what did you think when you saw this uh duchess satine's throne room where ahsoka and maul have their showdown right that's that's that place isn't it it's the same city why Correct. who's to say we don't revisit the throne room oh 100 oh i mean ab- absolutely they're I mean, stumbling upon the burnt up remains of that throne yeah room, well no pull, doubt. they have to and pulling in some rebels knowledge too you know when S- sabine ends up with the dark saber she takes it to her mother and she's like did you beat him in combat and there's just like this weird allusion to Maul still has artifacts that are Mandalorian. So who's to say we don't come across some Darth Maul relics, you know, like maybe we get a little Crimson Dawn tie in of some sort, you know, not maybe not like a full blown like plot tie in, but it's there, you know, just a hint of it. And, mm-hmm. and that would lead to a really, really cool conversation and and really might even lead to something great for the fourth season potentially yeah. I, don't, I mean i'm just hard or at least into ahsoka but hardcore speculating on that yeah. all i'm saying is i see sindari and or sindari and i think you know what you you don't go back to this planet without at least mentioning the siege or see yeah. a clone helmet or Oh, something we're getting though we're getting that stuff it's going to yeah. be very similar to how they handled death star 2 and rise of skywalker i, but I, I would, think yeah. honestly and, and this isn't shade thrown at rise of skywalker or anything yeah. like that but i think it's going to be done a lot better because i think sure. that favreau filoni kind of understand especially filoni they understand the impact of this location how much the fans really loved the siege of mandalore arc in the clone wars so we're definitely getting those easter eggs i I 1000% would be shocked if we don't see a destroyed clone trooper helmet or even just uh, remains of a fully, fully decked out suit of a clone trooper. Something's hard is here's the hard thing for me though. Now I'm thinking about it a little more hard now is Mm -hmm. that, you know, this is post empire. You're right. You're right. So if there's something still there from the republic Mm -hmm. from the clone wars it's gonna be like in the depths in the deep yeah you know i mean or it's just in a desert scape so i mean yeah i think you're right i think you're right but maybe maybe not a thousand percent gonna happen but yeah i see what you're saying yeah (laughs) because again it's just one of those reminders okay where are we at in the timeline Mm -hmm. that's the beauty of star wars is that it has to stay linear yeah. If it doesn't stay linear, what's this all about? And so, right. you know, and, and then, you know, sequel trilogy did a few things where it was no longer linear, but we can talk about that another time. But anyway, <laughs> I think that's important to remember, even though I do think that we will see some sort of mention yeah. of the Siege of Mandalore, we're going to get a lot of uh, the Day of a Thousand Tears references, sure. just 100%. There's no way around it at this point. Absolutely. All right. Well, overall thoughts on the leak trailer then. I need to see an HD, yeah, you know, 4K something. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I was already content to wait on it. Yeah, and then you know, I came across it on TikTok, right? 
And so I sent it to you, I think is what happened. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you'd already seen it at that point or not. I think I had. I think I had. So when I came across it, it was like, oh, my gosh. And right. I think you, someone, think you stumbled upon upon gold. <laughs> well, I think somebody else sent it to me. Yeah. And yeah. so I was like, well, hold on a second. It might have been John Hare, our our, our music's, you know, right. you know, composer, you know, um, he's awesome. sign him up for the for the next animated series. At least let's go with Star Wars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I, I just you know, I can see maybe how those things come into play you know i yeah. hope i hope that you know this this comes about a lot sooner mm-hmm. rather than later like i said i was content to wait on it but you know i've seen the cruddy little version of it right you know from someone's cell phone look mm-hmm. like it was filmed on a nokia <laughs> but hey you know if that's what i get to see for now awesome yeah. but well, it, it, and it's i still think me. i think that the leak was like you had mentioned the quality wasn't great so when we actually still see the real thing, it's still going to be a genuine kind of reaction because it, it, yeah. we haven't we haven't we haven't seen the 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 stars in the wars yet. We've just seen like this glitchy the, uh, the blurs part, the blurs <laughs> and the hers. Yeah, it's just it's not. Yeah, it'll still be, and that's kind of it's probably going to be a YouTube video. We're probably going to do a little reaction oh, yeah. to that Mandalorian trailer once yeah. they do finally drop it. I have a feeling that they have all intents and purposes to not drop a mandalorian trailer until after andor has premiered that would only make sense because yeah because why would you get people pumped up for mandalorian when it's not coming when it's not even the next thing that's coming so yeah i think it's coming i think it's coming next month i think it's coming in d23 uh because that'll be few weeks after Andor is premiered people will already be engaged and locked into that show at that point and d23 will just be a good opportunity to drop a mando trailer and probably this specific mando trailer if we're being honest i don't think i don't think that they'll give us anything new i think it'll probably be the same thing but regardless once we see that full high def version me and dj will cover it because i'm sure we'll pick up on other things we'll see other things we'll probably even hear a bit of dialogue that we may have missed because fans and and just cheering and and things like that during the little leak trailer that we got was kind of hard to tell and piece together some things so yeah we'll see when it comes but eventually it will come it will come all right let's move on to our final topic of this episode I'm going to pass it to DJ, though, because this is something that he's very, very, very passionate about. The question is, is Qui-Gon Jinn the greatest Jedi to ever exist? And so DJ has the floor. He's We're going to see if he can convince me, the audience, the listener. We'll see. The viewer, whoever, that Qui-Gon Jinn is, in fact, the GOAT. All right, DJ, take it away. Well, okay, so this kind of came about for me through watching the Disney Gallery uh, with Filoni kind of breaking down the whole Duel of the Fates thing and why it's about Anakin. Mm. Um, Yes, you have Maul, and he's awesome, and you got Obi-Wan, and he's awesome, and Qui-Gon's there, and he's awesome. Um, Now, when you look at every Jedi at face value, there are certainly Jedi who stand out more than Qui-Gon Jinn, but... You know, you look at Mace Windu, for example, he's inerrantly cooler than Qui-Gon Jinn for a number of reasons. And this isn't a question of whether or not Qui-Gon is the coolest Jedi or the one that stands out the most. I'm looking at it in more of a broad strokes fashion okay. in which Qui-Gon is the greatest Jedi to to live or ever exist for 
a, just really a handful of reasons. And it's because I believe his fate decides what happens to Anakin. I'm just mm-hmm. convinced. I'm convinced that if Qui-Gon lives, certain things go right. Sure. Okay. Um, and, and not only that, when they go wrong, Qui-Gon is still a huge factor in the overall scape of what's taking place in the full saga uh, from one one to nine. I really, really one to nine. Um, so that, that's what I want to say up front. Um, mm. you know, Qui-Gon's not the flashiest Jedi. He doesn't have all the tricks, but he, I think, embodies the true essence of what a Jedi is supposed to be. Okay. And, and I, I see think, that. I, hope, yeah. I 1000% see that for sure. Because even if you look at down the line, Obi-Wan is skewed just a hair, mm-hmm. but it's because of the chosen one prophecy. Yeah. And because he and Yoda are a little bit skewed because of the chosen one prophecy, Luke eventually gets a little skewed. And we see Kylo Ren fall, or I should say Ben Solo fall. And of course, you know, he comes back redemption wise. But then also, Luke is a little jaded, you know, and I think that stems back to. Qui-Gon and even Ray has a few moments where she's kind of jaded even in Rise of Skywalker that stem back to Qui-Gon now her relationship to Palpatine is really her story there and I understand that but there are things that tie back to Qui-Gon that you can see ripple effects throughout the whole nine series yeah um, just just in the Skywalker saga For so sure. that's kind of like my soft introduction on this I could go I feel like I could go a lot deeper <laughs> on that introduction but yeah. Here, here, I want to give my first reason as to why Qui-Gon's the best, okay? okay. Uh, first and foremost, he sees the potential of Anakin before anyone else does. Um, he obviously notices that there is something very peculiar about Anakin Skywalker when he meets him. Mm-hmm. Um, and fate in a story, you know, it has a funny way of working itself out. Let's abandon the fact that this is all fairy tale and myth for a second, and let's let's pretend it's reality. Okay, yeah. and that's where my mind has to go. So just bear with me, all right? So if, if you're listening and or watching and or watching, um, just know that I'm abandoning reality for a moment to put mm-hmm. myself and immerse myself in a story. All right. So because fair they, enough. I mean, yeah, fair. <laughs> um, there's a reason that one laser bolt hit the hyperdrive on the uh the royal you know starship yeah from yeah uh i you know it's just ridiculous because the force is the force okay the force is the reason that that bolt hit where it did there's a reason that they were only had enough power to get to tatooine there's a reason they had to go to Watto's shop you know you know so you really all of this stems back to palpatine invading naboo uh Mm. and the trade using the trade federation as pawns so by the time we get to actually Tatooine, Qui-Gon just notices there's something different about this kid. I mean, mm-hmm. almost right out the gate. And it oh, takes yeah, 100%. It, it takes very little convincing for him to say, this kid has some Jedi traits. You know, like, and I know that the Jedi are trained to notice these things, mm-hmm. but Qui-Gon sees it a little different. It's almost like he has like a certain kind of radar for these things. Yeah. And if you read Dooku Jedi Lost. And you read Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. I can't even speak to volumes how important those novels are for this discussion. Um, but when you look at what Qui-Gon was doing and his research that he did underneath uh, Dooku when he was his apprentice, and even what he teaches Obi-Wan in Master and Apprentice, 
you just can't go without mentioning that he did the research to find out these prophecies. And he, he spent so much of his private life trying to understand these prophecies to the point that when he finally comes across the prophecy of the chosen one, that being Anakin, he can't help but put everything he has into it. Right. So the fact that he sees Anakin, there's so much potential to him. It stretches so far beyond just some kid who can use the force because that's mm-hmm. who is honestly, that's all Ahsoka is when she's found by Plo Koon. She's just some kid who can use the force or every, every other force sensitive character that we've seen as a child or a baby in, in yeah. Star Wars canon. They're all just people who can use the force. And the importance here is that Anakin's not just one of those people. So because Qui-Gon finds him, he decides, okay, this, this is something I have spent my private life researching and understanding. Mm-hmm. I need to give myself over to this so that I can train him the way he needs to be trained. Because I think Qui-Gon understands he's the only person in the order who really cares that much about it. Yeah, right. 100%. So that's, that's really the ex- explanation behind the first point. He's the, he's the first person to see the potential in Anakin. And on top of that, Mace Windu's like, no, we're not training him. And even Obi-Wan. Oh, yeah, calls, all of them. Yeah, Obi-Wan calls him a pathetic life form. Yeah. I mean, as, <laughs> I mean that's just the, the ignorance of, of a young Jedi. Sure. That being Obi-Wan. But regardless, okay, nobody wants to train this kid except yeah. Qui-Gon. Okay. And then there's this reluctant promise that kind of happens at the end of Phantom Menace. Right. And Obi-Wan still doesn't seem thrilled about it until we get to Attack of the Clones. I know there's 10 years of time to be around somebody and to, and to grow to love somebody. But hey, regardless, you know, that's a lot of that's a lot of time spent to get to that point. And I still think there's reluctance. Okay. So point number one, that's the potential. It's, Qui-Gon sees the potential. What, do you have any thoughts on, on that, Caleb? No, I, I mean, yeah, 100% from Phantom Menace. He was the number one supporter of Anakin becoming a Jedi. He was the only one in the entire film that uh, supported that decision. Honestly, me, me not reading the, you know, Master and Apprentice, Dooku Lost, all that kind of stuff. I would guess maybe the only other person that might have gone along with Qui-Gon. And this is just a total guess. This may be completely wrong, DJ. Okay. Maybe Dooku, because they were close. Like I, I just don't see anyone else, though, on the Jedi Council seeing the potential in Anakin like Qui-Gon Jinn did. So, yeah, 1,000%. I agree with your first point that he is the only one. The only one that that puts that trust in young Anakin and maybe Shmi, but oh, she's yeah, not. A, but she's not a Jedi. Right, right, I right. wouldn't. I don't even put Padme on that list. I just oh, don't. No, definitely not. You definitely know, not. Padme's just like, well, he's kind of cute, and that's about it. I mean, that, that's <laughs> right. really Phantom Menace in a nutshell. Yeah. Um. But you know, anyway, there's there's the first you know thought behind that, mm-hmm. and um, there's also a non-canon. It's now non-canon that dooku was actually trying to seduce obi-wan to the dark side to have him as his apprentice right. in attack of the clones which yeah oh that would have been great if they'd run with that but um you brought up dooku and i was like man i forgot about that i had to mention it but let's talk some more about qui-gon because the, even though qui-gon's mentioned in that conversation with dooku you know there's a chance that qui-gon could have pulled dooku back to the light you know for mm-hmm. all that matter. 
Um, I, I want to see a Star Wars what if series so bad. And I just want to see what if Qui-Gon lives. That'd be cool. That'd I mean, cool. I'm about to go ride it myself <laughs> just it. because I want to see it, you know, Do it. but <laughs> Do well, it. I got some time. I'll be at the beach. So, you know, maybe, maybe the sun <laughs> will get go. too hot and I just start writing. Okay. <laughs> let me get to my second point here. Okay. I've got three total. Um, and I don't think all of these will require a ton of elaboration like the first one did, but here we go. Okay. So second thing is he denied the opportunity to be on the council. Mm. Uh, he, he was given that chance and that's, that's displayed in um, both Phantom Menace and Master and Apprentice in in, in, in Phantom Menace, we kind of just get this nugget, you know, where Obi-Wan just kind of says, if you would just stop denying them, you'd be on the council. I mean, mm-hmm. if you just stop, you know, Obi-Wan just sees arrogance, but, but Qui-Gon sees wisdom beyond right. the council. Like, let's just stop and think for a second. What if Qui-Gon was on the council? Mm. You know, what if he was sent still on this mission to Naboo as a council member and still comes across Anakin? He comes back, sits in that circle in that ivory tower, and he, all of a sudden, he's like, "Guys, we've got to get this. We got to get this kid trained." Yeah, you know. Uh, and Obi Wan could have gone and done the trials, and it'd have been a grand all time, you know. But he he's denied that opportunity, or not denied. Well, he denies the opportunity to be on the council, which it's a group of individuals who believed that Qui Gon was focused on the wrong things. Something very clearly laid out, not just in Phantom Menace, but definitely in Master and Apprentice. And when you see and realize that, man, you you just you can't unsee it that mm-hmm. he could have done something so spectacular for the council. He could have taught them things that they would have blown their minds. And all it took was a willingness to just be open-minded to something new. And Allow me to interject a little bit of my career in here for just a second. As a pastor, I come across other ministers and other churches all the time where objectively I can look and say, man, if you would just do this, this problem wouldn't exist. You know, and I think a lot of us can do that when we step outside of a situation and say, it doesn't even matter what your career is. You very easily can see where, oh man, your management style doesn't work because this needs to change or something like that, you know? And I think that that's something that is overlooked when we look at Qui-Gon, that mm-hmm. he has something to give and they're not willing to receive it because they're just perfectly fine to status quo. And Qui-Gon's offering the knowledge. Now, here's what the knowledge is. It's the knowledge of those prophecies. It's the ability to interpret what the people of the past left behind for the people of the future to find. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit like a national treasure situation. Okay. But beyond that, it's just teaching the new generation and Qui-Gon just seems to be the only person to want to pick up and run with it besides Dooku, but that's in Jedi lost. Yeah. So all that to say, because he denies the opportunity to be on the council, they recognize how important and how powerful he is and his knowledge, mm-hmm. but he says, no, thanks. Yeah. And that, and it mainly was to train Obi-Wan. That's the, right. he, he, he's, he's like, no, I got to train my guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's that's a beautifully written thing in, in that novel by Claudia Gray. So um, that's really the second point, you know. So yeah. what, what do you think? Well, I mean, just to add that, I, add to that, I think Qui Gon is just knowledgeable enough to realize, just like us as a viewer, that the council is no longer operating 
the way they need to be. Like there's obviously corruption, things like that that are going on. That's really, I mean, yes, obviously Palpatine, you know, kind of pushed the narrative regarding the Jedi being wiped out. But really, if you look back at it, the Jedi kind of caused their own undoing. And I think Qui-Gon Jinn is just one of those one of the only characters that's able to see that yes now obviously eventually i think ahsoka obviously becomes another one that sees that eventually that okay maybe i'm going to use what i've gone through to maybe just kind of separate myself from this situation because yeah. i don't maybe y'all aren't really going down the path that we should be going but so other than ahsoka i would say 1000 percent the first one to kind of lead that charge qui-gon jinn because again i really think qui-gon just had the the knowledge to notice Y'all aren't really doing what Jedi yeah. really are all about. So, yeah, I agree with that as well. Okay. Well, and, and I'm trying to be objective a little bit here, but I don't want everybody to agree with this at the same <laughs> time because I want there to be a little strife in this. But um, this one, I think, is the cake. Okay. Mm -hmm. This this is – well, really not even the cake. This is the icing. This is just like what proves all of it. Yeah. Um, Qui-Gon spent so much time studying – the prophecies that we hear this concept of, of the living force brought up, I think for the first time in Phantom Menace, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the idea of the living force as the force flow truly flows through an individual. Like, obviously we can use the force to lift things, move rocks, mind tricks, etc. We can do all these things. But to really feel the force flow through you is something that is only achieved in Clone Wars Season 5. Mm. Um, that, of course, is Yoda's journey. Sure. And Qui-Gon speaks to him on Dagobah. And then, of course, we get to the end of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And, and, well, it took you long enough. And, you know, and, <laughs> and here I was always here. You just didn't have you just weren't ready to see me. Obi-Wan had to conquer certain things to be able to see Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon was able to manifest himself through the Force largely in part to something metaphysical. Uh, mm -hmm. The only way I can really put it. But the metaphysical side of that came into play when he was still alive and he basically had a greater knowledge of the living force than any other Jedi, which is really the ultimate point I'm trying to make here is that he had greater knowledge of the living force than any other Jedi because he's seeing, I'll call it mountaintop moments. Yeah. While everybody else is just in the Valley. I mean, he's peeking out over a long period of time and he's able to say, this is happening now, but it won't happen for real until later. You know, like I, he's like, I can see the future essentially, not like literally, but like he's wise enough to say, this is what's going to happen. This is the way of the future. How are the Jedi going to survive? They're only going to survive by me basically becoming a force ghost is kind of what he, he gets to the point of doing. He teaches Yoda. First of all, that's an, another important side detail here. He teaches Yoda. Mm hmm. Yoda is the grand master of the Jedi Council. He is top dog Jedi. And even he's distracted by the war. Even he realizes that Anakin's future is clouded. Okay. But at the same time, if Yoda had just jumped all in with Qui-Gon, we probably wouldn't have had Darth Vader. 
Sure. Which I mean sucks from a movie standpoint, but like in the real <laughs> in the reality of Star Wars, right, right, right. It's like, oh man, you could you could save so much war and evil from taking place just by nipping that in the bud day one. And I think that Yoda really wanted to jump in on it, but he he's just reluctant. So therefore, Qui Gon has to do what he has to do, and that that being he has to die. So the end of the day here, you've got Qui Gon teaching. Yoda how to become one with the force Mm -hmm. followed by teaching Obi-Wan how to become one with the force followed by them teaching Luke and inevitably Luke teaching Ray. I mean, this is, this is a modern and Leia too, for sure. Oh yeah. And and Leia, I totally forgot about Leia. So uh, it's mainly just because Carrie Fisher is no longer with us, but sure. um, But you get, you have Luke teaching Leia these things too. So that's going to get passed down. So when Ray eventually trains more Jedi, Finn. something, huh? <laughs> I said Finn. <laughs> Finn, that's something that'll be passed down. Yeah. And the only way that stops is if you know, you know, Ray doesn't have the opportunity to like mm-hmm. say it before she dies. Just throwing that out there. Sure. Um, so the, again, this goes back to the original point: the ripple effects of Qui Gon's death go through the whole saga he doesn't die you know he's the greatest jedi ever you know he takes the top spot mm-hmm. when yoda or mace windu dies you know sure. um i can see that yeah and and also just in another sense i like to look at the family tree of masters and, and padawans and yoda trains dooku dooku trains qui-gon qui-gon trains obi-wan obi-wan trains luke luke trains ray so you have this through line and up to you know dooku had a chance to be on the council i don't know if he ever was i can't remember um but he had the opportunity to be on the council and he wasn't i think qui-gon had the opportunity he wasn't but obi-wan makes it and then anakin makes it who's to say that luke or ray or anybody else wouldn't have made it to that level or status uh, because of that ripple effect of training had Mm qui-gon stayed alive you know just again this is just like again all this is speculation sure but um at the end of the day the that that point i'm really trying to make right here and i've kind of (laughs) chased the rabbit i'm sorry but he had a greater knowledge of the living force than the other jedi because of that knowledge he's able to you know let the jedi survive past order 66 he's the reason the jedi exists past order 66 and you don't really get Luke Skywalker running off to save the princess on the Death Star unless Qui-Gon steps in and saves the day with Obi-Wan at the end of episode three and also the Obi-Wan series. Mm-hmm. So it, everything goes back to Qui-Gon, which is so wild to say because it, it does. You know, he's just the pawn in Lucas's story to get to Vader. But ultimately, he is the greatest Jedi because he kind of holds everything in his hands. And the second he's dead, all bets are off. Mm-hmm. And I think in uh, I think it's the Plagueis novel where Palpatine realizes this. If I'm not mistaken, I, I need Jonathan Hare to be here right now to correct me because he's read. It. I know he knows it, but he in that novel I believe that Palpatine realizes that and he starts pulling the strings to try to like manipulate that situation and, and mm. really force Qui Gon out. Yeah. Um, so if I remember that correctly. So anyway. You know, that's really my whole basis for Qui-Gon being the greatest Jedi. Yeah, sure. he's not he's not flashy. He he looks like every other Jedi out there. He's got a sweet green lightsaber with a red button and <laughs> and he's got a cool ponytail mullet looking thing. And 
that's all fun, but he's not the coolest looking Jedi. But the fact remains, you don't have to be the coolest looking Jedi to be the most important Jedi. Sure. And I think he is the most important Jedi up until his death and certainly even beyond his death. Hmm. Uh, Eventually that mantle gets put on Luke and that may be another conversation. So there's that. Yeah. Well, so I would, at at the end of the day, because obviously people are going to have different opinions on who's the greatest Jedi. At the end of the day, I really think it comes down to who you're asking's personality. Like, do you value knowledge the most? Because if it's knowledge, yes, the answer is Qui-Gon Jinn. Do you value sheer power as far as being the greatest Jedi? Uh, then you probably have an argument between, I don't know, maybe Anakin or Luke. Probably a, Scott, probably a Skywalker Anakin. battle yeah. in there somewhere, though. Yeah. Uh, do you value just life wisdom? Then it's Yoda. Like, it, there's probably just, just fair. Depends, depends on who you're asking, depending on their own personality. And I, I probably lean with you as far as like, I value wisdom, knowledge, things like that, as far as like, who's the goat. Uh, and I would say Qui-Gon Jinn definitely fits in that category. So I'm kind of with you on that, but yeah, like I said, I, and I, I mentioned to you off air, I think people probably have an argument for Ahsoka as well, just because yes. she, a lot of her storylines kind of, are similar reflect a little bit Qui-Gon Jinn we kind of even discussed that a little bit with both of them kind of branching off and saying no in a sense in two kind of totally different ways but but yeah there's definitely similarities there so I see how a lot of people would say that Qui-Gon Jinn is certainly the greatest of all time regarding the Jedi but yeah at the end of the day I think it just depends on who's answering. <laughs> That's fair, especially that point about Ahsoka. The only thing I would say about Ahsoka being not the greatest in this argument is that by the time she realizes what's going wrong, it's too late. Yeah. And there was still a chance with mm. Qui-Gon, um, you know, and and I think that's what the big difference between sure. those two are. And I tell you what, Ahsoka, those Ahsoka has something that Qui-Gon doesn't, and that is life. She still has time to uh, make this <laughs> argument a little bit different. You know, that's a really good point. And if she if the series comes out and it just goes off without a hitch, which I sure mm-hmm. hope it does, and I'm yeah. willing to bet it will, uh, that could be a great argument in a revisit to this conversation. For sure. Because um, she is one that struggles with power. And decides, no, I need to branch off into knowledge and wisdom. So more to your point, too, there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Man, well, that's, hey, that's interesting thoughts there for our listeners, viewers to kind of chew on and and think about. But we appreciate all of you out there that are listening, viewing, got this this far in this podcast episode. Uh, Like we mentioned at the top, you can guarantee another podcast episode coming close to the beginning of September. We're going to, again, aim for the first Monday in September. A podcast episode is going to release, which means that on this ne- on the next podcast episode, me and DJ are going to be full-on spoiler discussing the first two episodes of Andor. And crazy. that is crazy to crazy say. Crazy to think about. Crazy to say. But yes, remember, though, that on YouTube, you can almost expect, like, it's, it's kind of like at a 
at a need to do basis, you can expect YouTube content. Like when a news piece drops, you can expect a YouTube short or something. When a trailer drops, you can expect a YouTube trailer reaction, something like that. So YouTube will be a need to do basis, which might be like every other day, maybe once a week. Who knows? We'll see. So again, subscribe to that channel if you haven't done so already. But podcasts moving forward will continue to be once a month releasing on the first Monday of each month. So yeah, the next time you hear from us on the podcast airwaves, Cassie and Andor's show will be out there. That's and hopefully, crazy. Potentially, hope, hopefully, by the time you're listening to our voices right now, maybe another Andor trailer has dropped. <laughs> I'm itching. Wouldn't I'm that be great? itching <laughs> to see something regarding the, that show. But I think, I think the marketing is about to crank up. I, I would imagine D23, does it happen after or before Andor premieres? After. Okay, I was going to say maybe we'll get another trailer there, I think it but... comes within the next week, week and a half, honestly. Oh, okay, that's I fair. I think once the calendar flips to August, which is, I mean, when you're hearing this episode, when you're hearing our voices, it's August, and or trailers coming soon, for sure. Has to. Yeah, it's got to. All right, DJ, thank you so much for being here again. Any final words you'd like to say to the lovely audience? Peace out, Django. <laughs> Lovely. All right. If you want more from us, me and DJ, again, subscribe to the YouTube channel, but you can also check us out on socials at Mando Talk on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And until next time, as always, we have spoken. <laughs>